Welcome to I Love My Club By with me, your host, Seamus Barry, the podcast that gives you the insight into our local games of hurling and camogie. Join us as we take a look at some of the characters around the county on I Love My Club By. You're very welcome along to I Love My Club, of course, the podcast that brings us closer to hurling and camogie stars and uh, look behind the scenes with the, the players of past and present. I'm delighted to say this week I have Brian Carroll. Uh, I'm going to give him an introduction and I hope his ego doesn't get too affected by this. Uh, 47 championship appearances for Offaly, five goals and 194 points uh, ranks him as Offaly's second ever highest championship score of all time. Uh, I'd regard him as an Offaly legend, a five-time Offaly senior championship winner um, with Cool Derry, one Leinster senior club championship with Cool Derry. He was named um, in the AIB club team of the year in 2019 when uh, you could say the tail end of his career. Um, he's also a school teacher. He was uh, appointed as director of Offaly Hurling and Coaching. Uh, he's also a father. Uh, he's a pundit with RT Radio. And uh, in lockdown, he became a presenter and a creator of the very successful podcast, A Hurler's Life. Brian, welcome to the show. God, that's some interruption. Um, holy God. James, well, thank you very much for inviting me on the show, first and foremost. Uh, you know, delighted to be here and, and have a good chat with you and see where this takes us. But uh, thank you very much for your kind words when you introduced me there. You're, you're more than welcome. And like... For me, personally, as I said it, uh, an Offaly legend. Um, I remember the Offaly teams coming up through the, the late 90s and the early 2000s. And then, of course, when I started playing myself, you'd always be watching different players. And I remember when you retired, it almost felt like you passed on the mantle to Shane Dooley because the two of you were the marquee forwards for Offaly. And that, that's what I always have in my head when I think of Offaly. Um, in my time growing up, it was always yourself and Shane Dooley. And, of course, a lot of other players as well. But um, did you... I suppose when players come in and you're coming to the end of your career, like you are with your, your club scene and you war with Offaly, do you feel it's your duty to try bring them players on? Uh, yeah, definitely, Seamus. I think that's a, a fair assessment. Um, I know I was very conscious when I came on the scene. I, I broke onto it just at the tail end of maybe some of the, the Offaly legends that we had in Brian Wheaton and Johnny Dooley, you know, Joe Arity, Hubert Rigney was there. Um you know, Kevin Martin was very good to me as well. And, 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 you know, those players were very good to me. Now, they trained, as you would expect, they trained really hard, they had very high standards. Uh, did they, were they like the 90s team that we heard of? Did they enjoy themselves? Most definitely. But at the right times, it was never anything stupid. You know, like if if, if there was an opportunity to go for a drink uh, after a match or after or after things like that, yeah, of course they took it. But every team did back then. Some sometimes it got a little bit kind of blown out of proportion. Them boys were so serious about the hurling, and they wouldn't have won all Ireland's if they weren't. And you know, as I said, they they instilled a lot of high standards in us uh, when I was breaking onto the scene, and I was very keen, probably young, cocky, uh, very well, very confident in my own ability. That I felt I wanted to show them I was you know, worthy of being in on an Offaly panel at that time and worthy of starting for Offaly. So I was very conscious of the fact that they helped me along. You know, Johnny Dooley tried to show me a few bits and bobs about trying to catch the ball in the air, you know, leaving the hurl in, um, especially when, you know, you're small in stature. Um, Kevin Martin, very good to me as well. Brought me a lot, brought me to a lot of trainings. You know, Sid would have a few words with you here and there and Joerty the same. So these boys were very good. You know, I was very conscious of that, I suppose, in my last couple of years with Offaly. Obviously, very similar with Kuleri over the last number of years. I'm a long time a, a veteran now with Kuleri, but you know, in those last couple of years, awfully certainly, you know, you're trying to lead, you're trying to um, lead by example, first and foremost, with your, your approach to training. 
um, you know, your standards that you're setting for your your own personal self, um, but also the standards that you expect of the group around you. And that little quiet word of players kind of, um, you know, trying to encourage them or, or, you know, point them in the right direction here and there. Obviously, some lads take that really well. Other lads don't want to hear it at all. Uh, and, and then that's down to individual how much in the long run that those players want to improve. And I suppose, like, on the modern game, and this is the one of the things that, that I've picked up on in recent years, um, there's so much technology-wise looking back over games, but I think there's a lot of value to be said in what you've just said there in terms of the experience when an older member of a squad or a more senior member, you know, is giving that younger player advice. And I've seen a lot lately where younger players aren't as keen to take on the information as such because there's so much available to them. But I suppose we have to remember what went before us and the experience that is there from those characters. Yeah, and that's it. Look, you're right. Like it's it's that by analysis of sports in GA at the moment. Um, was probably in most sports. It certainly crept into into hurling and football over the last number of years. And um, between GPS readings and you know statistical breakdowns after a match, both individual and team, um, you know there's a, there's a lot of information out there. But sometimes it's the nuggets that you get from a coach or a fellow player. Um, that, that really understands the game, you know, that, that can help you. And maybe they can see things, obviously, that statistics can't see. Um, or they may see something, you know, whether it's a run you're after making or, um, you know, the way you went to the ball or the way you were striking the ball or, or whatever they are, it is that they see. Nine times out of ten, if, if someone's offering that advice, they mean well, you know. Mm. Um, they're not massaging their own ego. They're saying it because they want you to improve. Why do they want you to improve? obviously, because they want the team to improve, you know, and they, they want to win. Um, will that always be the case? Certainly not. Um, but, you know, they, they mean well. They're trying to pass on their little bit of, of knowledge that they can see the mistakes you're making that might might improve you. Uh, and and I, suppose, I suppose if we could teach our younger selves that, you know, that, um, you know, that they are trying to help you. They are trying to improve you. You might like what they're saying to you all the time because sometimes the truth hurts. I think that's probably at the crux of it. Um, but, you know, I suppose if, if you want to improve as a player, that you've got to take it on board, you know, look at it from an objective perspective. Will this help me? You know, and sometimes it will, and uh, other times it's, it's just not for you, but at least take it on board and, and try and learn from it. As, as a player yourself, like, I'm very interested in what you said just there because, you know, it's a team sport, but if a fella actually holds his hand up, a lot of the times if you're saying around the team or in around the squad, you're actually hoping some guys play poor, not intentionally pick up an injury, but if a position becomes available for you. So although it's a team sport, it's a very selfish sport as well, based from an individual point of view. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, like, I suppose you, your performance starts with, with yourself and ends with yourself. You know, it's a, you, everyone wants to hurl well. Everyone wants to be starting. Everyone wants to have some input um, on any team that they play on, whether it's, as I say, starting, coming on, um, wh- whatever it is. You, you feel that you want to have some input into it and that you're valued and that you've, you know, you've contributed in a positive sense. Um, you know, and we've, we'd be lying if we didn't say, like, there's, there's days that um, you could win, but you played badly. And you'd go home in bad form, you know, like, and you would, like, unless it's a big final or something like that, you know, but like just normal run the mill game, championship game or, a, you know, a league game or whatever, a practice game, 
course you go home in bad form because you're so disappointed in your own performance or you're disappointed you didn't get a run or you know what, whatever it is so yeah there's there's always an element of selfishness in it and people lie when they, when they say otherwise you know like are there great team players are there great people that put the team above themselves yes certainly there are it, but in certain situations if they don't look after their own game first and foremost well then they won't be in a position to help the team anyway um, so yeah there's certainly uh, there's certainly something in that Seamus um, I'm probably not doing it justice there but uh, you know there, you have to you have to look after number one first and foremost you have to win your own individual battle um, before you can probably go ahead and lead uh, I remember reading years ago I'm probably talking about leaders here I remember reading, reading years ago about uh, it was Richard McCaw talking about any captain of the team a captain of the team has to be an absolute certainty you know, a certainty on that team sheet. It's never in question that that player should be, is he starting or is he going to be taking off or anything like that? If he, if he's not, well, then he's not he's not really the leader of the team. Um, and that, you know, yes, you can have great people around your system and all that sort of thing, but, you know, like we're talking about a long-term captain here um, and that's the same for leaders. And, and you've got to res- respect their opinion. Um, so it, it's, it, it's certainly an interesting one. Uh, and yeah, there is that individual element to it that that will always be within those team sports. So, like from from your own upbringing, right? Um, given obviously your father's status in Offaly, the hurler he was, the man he was, and his untimely passing at such a young age. Growing up, was there values installed by you, obviously by your family and your mam, that you know kind of led to the man you are today, and they were obviously elements of who your father was as well. And I suppose looking on it, because losing him at such a young age, do you feel that had effect on you growing up in either a negative way or a positive way? Or how did you try to deal with that? Uh, both, for definite. Some, look, some very positive stuff. My mother was obviously brilliant to me. She, she assumed the role of a father as well. She instilled that, um, that will to win in me. Um, that you know, that never say die attitude. My father had a saying, I can, I will. Um, she, you know, constantly referenced that to me. You know, that that was a big saying for me growing up and still is to this day. Um, you know, and, and I firmly believe in it. And as I said, she constantly probably lit that fire within me. You know, did I show an, an interest and an aptitude towards her from a young age? I certainly did, but my mother definitely kept it going and she fueled it. And, you know, so did my grandmothers and, you know, and, and, and family and obviously when I went into school and all that. But, yeah, certainly my mother was there first and foremost. And even throughout my, my teenage years, she was there always. You know, even as an adult, I still know where she where she sits at a match or anything like that. And in fairness, my wife has picked up that mantle as well and she's been brilliant too. Um, can't underestimate the importance of a if you have a, a good you know partner or spouse or whatever um, the importance of that that they're pulling with you and not against you from that perspective and you know um, it means a lot to me when when say my even at this age you know I'm almost 40 you know when they say something positive towards you you know to, to really reinstill those core beliefs in you whether it's my mother or it's my wife it, it certainly still helps but yeah, going back to my childhood, yeah, certainly my mother had had a big part in that, and I would have grown up watching the Offaly team of the eighties on video on repeat, you know. And obviously, all my dad's medals are here, his jerseys, um, his all stars, all those sort of things. Some of his old hurls and his boots, and they were all there. 
and obviously that's all I aspire to do is to hurl for off feet. Um, Culleri is important to me, and it 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 obviously is a huge part of me. But again, and I've often said this to the boys, I'd be lying if I didn't say that. All I ever dreamed of was winning an All Ireland for Offaly. You know, like after Offaly won the All Ireland eighty one, uh, you know the field was obviously strong to me. And, and there's a lovely video that, um, after the game when my dad went down onto the onto the field with the cup and he lifted shoulder high and he was trying to get from the dress rooms uh, in the Hogan stand down and the dress rooms back then were down at the canal end uh, alongside the Hogan stand, so you had to get kind of you know along by the pitch and it's just brilliant moments. But that's what I dreamed of doing, you know. And to get there, obviously, I knew it was going to take a lot of hard work, even from a young age. Um, my mother would be brilliant to praise, um, probably over praise. Uh, that's one thing. I'm probably from from obviously knowing what I know now, and again looking at that whole growth mindset thing. She would she would have been guilty of you know praising me for my talent and not my effort. But I realised at a young age myself, which I'm very lucky now looking back on it, I realised it was my effort. You know, I was constantly out in the field, hours of practice, get out there. If something didn't work for me in a match, and I remember doing this in an under like 10 schools match. I remember Solomon with a ball and went and put it over the bar and, I, and I didn't, it didn't go over the bar. It dropped short. And I remember getting out into a field uh, where we were living at the time, there was a soccer field close by, and I'm going out to the soccer field with three players, and I must have spent three hours out there soloing with the ball and putting that ball over the bar. Um, in retrospect, I'm disappointed because all I was doing was putting it over my left side, and that's obviously why I ended up there with my left side. <laughs> so <laughs> I needed someone probably to guide me, and that's probably where my, if my dad was there, he probably would be there. Hey, don't forget your right side, pal. You know that kind of way. So yeah, I was late. I was late to the game with developing my right side, but um, that side of thing. Obviously, all positives, you know, that that knowing what I wanted to do and uh, knowing what my dad had done, obviously, and that kind of never say die attitude that he had. And then I must also mention that those players that the 1980s team that, that so injured my dad, they were always really good to me. Anytime there was a reunion, uh, anytime, you know, I'd meet them at any game. They were so good to me. They always had a kind word. They never put pressure on me, which maybe people in general public might, you know, they might say, ah, oh, you're not as good as your dad. The amount of times I heard that was unbelievable. They don't understand the negative effect that has on you as a, as a, as a young man. Mm. Even still hearing that up, up to 17, 18 years of age until I eventually was able to block it out. And I was still, and that really bothered me at times. So there was that negative aspect. Um, and then the, I suppose the other negativity would have been that I did feel pressure. Um probably towards the middle of my career when I got to mid-20s, towards my late 20s. And my career stalled, kind of stalled at this stage like, when I was putting huge pressure on myself, realising that, do you know what? Like, we're not going to win these Leinsters and All-Irelands that I've dreamed of. We're not going to win. I'm not going to win these All-Stars. It's mm. not going to happen. Whereas when I was younger, obviously, obviously, we're, obviously we're really successful. I came into an awfully minor team. We won Leinster minor in 2000 and the 21s won it that year as well. The seniors had played in the All-Ireland things were looking good. I was hurling with Cairns. I was used to winning. Oh, my club was really successful at my own 21 level. I grew up a born winner like, and was an integral part of that where all we did was win. Nearly every team I was on won. And, you know, I had that driving me to win every single game I went out. And awfully then it just, it just started to beat me down. And that's certainly that, that aspect of realising, you know what, I'm not going to achieve half this. And, it's it does chip away at you, and it really, really, really did chip away at me for years. 
And as I said, my performances were affected. Was I terrible all the time? No, I was still I was still hitting good performances here and there, but I certainly wasn't as consistent, you know, and, and I was I was probably still in love with the game, but I wasn't enjoying the game at inter-county level in particular. Um I wasn't enjoying it. But I was never in, in the case that I was gonna anymore but it just wasn't enjoying it and as I said my performances weren't consistent enough then and it was a, that was a vicious circle but then I remember going off and doing a little bit of sports psychology with the guy and trying to do a little bit of work obviously on you know improve my performance and all that but what ended up happening it wasn't like the guy was good in fairness to him nothing against him but we just had a chat one day and then it just clicked with me do you know what Brian you ain't going to win these things own that like you know like there's nothing you can do about that right now that's where awfully are at like you know i'm talking about 2012 2013 around then um you know it, it's just not going to happen and it was like a weight off my shoulders it was just like it was just this little bit of clarity it's like do you know what that's it like you know starting trying the game for what it is you've only got a few years left um yes of course go out Blindly stupid, thinking you're going to beat Kilkenny in the first round of the championship. Um, <laughs> but uh, at the same time, realize somewhere in the back of the head that you know what, we're not going to win this all Ireland. Like you know, yeah. as much as I train all 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 win all winter like a lunatic, and you know, train as hard as anyone that was out there. Um, you know, just probably un- understand that as a group, we're not going to do that because not everyone was doing what I was doing either from an African, and that's not trying to be a hero or anything. Mm. Um, our performances certainly dictate that. You know, we were. We were again as a group. We weren't being consistent enough in our application um, in training and all that. And I can look back on that and say that with a hundred percent honesty. And um, there just wasn't enough of us doing it. And you know, it's it, we ended up getting, as I described before, a bit of an Indian summer towards the tail end of my intercounty career. And it freed me up then to put into performance you're talking about earlier with with my club. You know, um, put in some of my best years. Um, 35, 37, 38 I was still hurling as good as I ever hurled um, and did you like when you get to that age right the game speeds up every year like you know you look back five years ago maybe club boys right senior club you look at Ballyhale, Ballygunner, Thomas's, uh, Dunlai uh, you know Lockheel all these teams I think club at that level is nearly what Intercounty was 10 years ago in terms of the dedication, you know, the fitness, everything that's going on side by yeah. side. How have you managed? And, you know, we're not looking for the, the, the secret recipe, Rappen, but surely you must have slowed down in terms of speed, pace. So have you had to adapt your game completely different? Because, again, you're around for so long in the Offaly Championship. Fellas know what you're about, in a sense. Yeah, I suppose just... Two things. Uh, number one, yeah, probably changed my position first and foremost. I, I, I'm more an out and out central forward now as opposed to inside forward. I, I can't really play an inside forward anymore. If I'm being man marked by a lad that's 22 or 20 years of age, for lucky half my age, like, you know, some guy. <laughs> and, and rightly or wrongly, and without coming across as a big head here, I am still being man marked. And it's really difficult. It's really, really difficult, especially. <laughs> in the inside forward line um, with a guy that's faster than you and he's able to sprint more often than you you know like he's able to repeatedly get out there um, my reading of the game might like get me out there I'll get to the ball but then I won't have the energy or the speed to you know shrug him off or 
I'll, I'll just be able to offload the ball. Whereas when I've been playing at centre forward, like only for my teammates around me, my teammates are brilliant in Kuleri. Like they, they know where I am. Um, you know, they'll give me the ball if you're free. They'll work off me if I use the ball. It, it, it's great. You know, I, 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 I wouldn't be the hurler I am if Watson. And that's not just a throwaway statement. That's the truth. I won't mm-hmm. be what I am over the last couple of years if it wasn't for the manager, obviously, noticing I could play centre forward. The players around me working with me. Um, and I suppose, you know, it, it's worked really well from my perspective and obviously from, from a culinary perspective as well. So, yeah, certainly, like, that change in position. In terms of my speed, I was never lightning anyway. I was never slow, but I was never mm. lightning. I was probably just, you know, like not not quick enough. But yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what I was I was always quite quick over twenty. Maybe the further we went, you know, 30, 40 meters, I started to win, and that obviously I, I again now realise uh, that come from running efficiency. Didn't know how to run properly. You know, didn't lift them easy enough. So wasn't running efficiently. Uh, again, this is something I learned later on in my career. Um, when we got a strength and conditioning coach in, we got a speed coach in with Martin Bennett, and he did a lot of work on that, and I, and I realized that. Um, and, and I suppose I now run a little bit more efficiently. I, I'm still have that quick burst over 20 yards. I'm lucky I never really lost that. But mm. then the other probably secret I have in, Seamus, is train much as the rest of the group. I only train two out of three sessions. If there's three group sessions, I only do two of them. I'm not able to do the third. Rather than do three, half sessions or three to quarter sessions just to appease those one or two people that might be negative in the group I only train twice and I completely sit out sessions um, sometimes I don't even go to it to keep myself fresh uh, and I'll do those two sessions and I'll train to the max of those two sessions and I will go into the red zone as they say and it just takes my body longer to recover and I have to own that and I have to do better recovery I have to get more physio uh, a lot of dry needling I have to make sure you know, hot baths or ice baths, whichever, um, getting into the jacuzzis, um, you know, diet right, making sure my, my weight is down. That's very important as we're getting older as well. Um, so all those sort of things. And then, as I said, I good management. I've had good management that have allowed me to do that. The vast majority of players understand it. So I'm getting the best out of myself by doing that. And it's better for the group if I do that. And you know, it, it's great. That's what's working for me. You know, and when, other people will say it should be, you know, nearly like doing more nights and all this sort of stuff. It doesn't work for me. That's mm. my body type. That's my recovery is just too slow. So when, I can't when do, do you, when when do you sleep? <laughs> like with you know, like all this stuff. Because I I look, I get this the whole time, right? I'm 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 no spring chicken. I'm 31 this year, and uh, you know, I I done a lot last year. Uh, I'm doing a lot again to start of this year, and people say to me, you know, when do you sleep? Obviously, right? I, I'm I'm going to say something here that might make me sound big headed, but I believe a lot of the time, what separates inter county from club hurlers is time management, not necessarily skill. It's time management. A lot of lads, you would see, you know, you go to a field or you go to a match and you go, Jesus, this fella's an unbelievable hurler. And someone will turn around and say, he doesn't train all the time. He won't eat right. He won't go to the gym. He has it, but he won't do it. Do you, like, do you agree? Because I, I know a lot of the lads in, in the Waterford scene at the moment. And my brother's an inter-county ref. And I see a lot of games behind closed doors. And like, I'm looking at lads going, I probably have more skill than they actually have. But there's no way... I could live the lifestyle they live. Yeah, it's gone off the Richter scale in, in terms of intercounty setup at the moment. And look, when you're in that bubble, you'll do it. 
and everything else goes goes in the back burner. Weddings and functions and concerts. You, you don't even you wouldn't even buy things. I anyone I hear that says that they have huge sacrifices to make county hurling, they're they're not they're not cut out to be in the county hurling because you don't make it. You don't make sacrifices when you're playing the county hurling because you don't even entertain them. You don't even mm. entertain going to concert. You don't entertain going to that holiday. You don't entertain going to that stag. You don't entertain going to that match in Liverpool at the weekend. They're not even on your radar because you're so focused on playing off. Well, for me, for Offaly, playing yeah. out your team. It doesn't even come into it. Doesn't even come down. You know, you get your little window, and whatever the club is over, that's what you get, and you go then. Other than that, it's all about your county scene. But yeah, time management certainly. You ask me when do I sleep? It's a great question, and it, it's just reminding me of something that's crept into the game over the last two years. Is these uh, whoop watches, and you'll see all the county players are putting up their data online and they're putting it up on Instagram, and everyone's wearing them now. You know, and I'm just saying, oh my God, I know myself, it was 10 years ago, I definitely would have been wearing one. And if I wore one now, I probably wouldn't be able to hurl because my lack of sleep and my lack of sleep quality, because of obviously having young kids, like there's days you go to training and you've maybe got six hours, which would be a great night. And you'll probably have to be woken up three to four to five times and that's not an exaggeration I know people say if you're younger you won't understand that like, yeah. it's, it's the truth and you've turned up the trend and you've put in a hell of a shift or you played the match that day and you put in a hell of a shift and I remember like when I was down to county you would have, I would have to have optimal sleeping conditions you know dark room not too hot not too cold you know everything had to be right and you had to be you'd be thinking you have to get your eight hours if you didn't get your eight hours you'd be, you'd be disgusted you know, you might think, oh, God, I didn't sleep great now the night before the match. And you're telling yourself you're not refreshed. You're telling yourself all these things. Mm. And whereas now it's just like, in the moment. Like, it doesn't matter about my sleep last night. I'm in the moment right yeah. here and right now. I'm playing the match now in half an hour. That's it. What's happened previous does not matter. And I suppose my whole mentality has changed towards that. I think players have got better with that. Um, I talked to a few of the players there when we were over in Kenya lately because a few of them weren't and they said they don't they don't read the whoop on the day of the match maybe. you know right. so they don't they don't let that whole idea of what's the recovery at what's their sleep quality at on the day of a match kind of affect them but I don't know again that's easier said than done because these bloody phones and these apps are so addictive we it's very hard to not look at it I would yeah. think so yeah I do it's one other point I want to probably pick up on is I do agree with you with time management it's a massive skill that, and this is probably my teacher cast company on here, that inter-county players must learn at a young age if they want to be successful at both hurling and in their lives, in their careers. It drives me mad young lads in school when they put everything into hurling and don't put anything into school. Or on the flip, you'll get one or two guys that'll say, I don't have any time for hurling anymore. Or football or basketball or whatever their sport is. I don't have any time for athletics. I don't have time for that anymore because I'm concentrating on, on my leaving cert. Lads, that's rubbish. You can do both, you know. Mm figure out your time management and I, and I try to talk to some of the young lads in school and say right what time do you leave for training I leave at six like, what time do you get home at when I get home at quarter past four right okay Monday and Wednesday you get in you get half four you get half four to, to half five or quarter six you get your hour you get your hour and a quarter in there of study and then what time do you get home at nine right okay you get a break at half nine you do you do another hour mm. and like so they, those days you only get two hours maybe two and a half hours but the other days you've got to get three three and a half hours it's just like so you've got to weigh it up you know that's how you get this done and that's how you get a good leave to, and it's not about getting a good leave to, you know my, my, what I'm trying to say it's the bigger picture yeah, yeah, for them yeah. to leave it sort of at that time whether that's in college or that's in your working life or whatever it is 
Yeah. Find the time. You can always do both. And it's the same whether it's relationships, whether it's work, uh, whatever it is that you're, you're looking for. You, you find the time for both if you, if you want to. The old saying, if there's a will, there's a way. I think I think it's your fat. Like everything I've heard, it's your father's mantra. If I can, I will. You know, it's it yeah. really is like every everything you've been saying. And I'm I'm a, my family would I suppose call me the nut of the family because I'm I'm the other extreme. I get up at five o'clock every morning. Uh, I get up at five. Uh, for the first twenty minutes, I walk. The next twenty minutes, I meditate. Twenty minutes after that, I do some sort of a growth exercise. Um, do I do it every day? I try to, I don't get it in every day. Some days like yourself after training, you're just, you're drained. Um, you know, like last Saturday had a fitness test with the hurlers Sunday, played a soccer match. I got up at five Monday morning. I was walking around the village of passage. If anyone had to see me, they think I had to be let out of mental, mental institute. But again, it comes back to the same thing, the mentality. And I'm, I'm telling myself at 31, I miss so much time playing. I can at the moment and I will because I, I, I don't have anything else in me. In terms of, I can't just say, no, I'll relax now. I'll, I'll watch hurling or I'll watch this. You know, it'll be nice to sit down and relax. It's it's almost like the the pulse that keeps us going. And it's the, it's the mantras. And, you know, like we talk everything about the technology that's available. You know, players sleep and what they're eating, body percent fat, everything. But the one side that I feel every player, whether it's club or inter-county, and maybe clubs in inter-county can help as well, is the mental side of the game. Because you said it there lads will drive everything into their personal life or else they'll drive everything into their hurling. And I found it personally with my own partner last year. I spent seven months out of the house. Uh, every weekend for seven months I was out of the house between filming, hurling, commentating, and radio. And I completely neglected my partner for seven months. And like you said, there was times where I was coming home, you know, pissed off with John Allen and Jamie Wall and, and these people. And she was like, You'll get up tomorrow, you will go to the gym and you'll do it again. And you'll go again. And, you know, I want to throw in the towel. And so I completely, I'll, I'll bang that drum all day. And the importance of it is coming back to having a strong structure with people you have around you. But you have to be able to manage time. You know, uh, Dan Carter, I don't know if you're aware of the, the High Performance podcast. Um, Dan Carter yeah. was on it. Um, he keeps a gratitude book but he also keeps a journal every Sunday evening. It's something I've adapted over the last couple of months. Every Sunday evening, I write out my plan for the whole week. And like you said, when you do it that way, I'm like, hold up, I have four hours free on Thursday. I have three hours free on Tuesday, you know? And to some people, it might sound mundane or military, and but for people that want to be high-functioning and perform in every aspect of their life, it's a necessity, I think, and maybe that's something that could be taught to younger, you know, boys and girls that want to make it in the GA world and be successful in life in general. Yeah, definitely, and I, I probably don't write it down, but I certainly, I go there uh, for mental checks. I would plan my week out. Um, I definitely know what, what's coming each day, you know, the week. I, I'd, be, I'd have a pretty good memory from that perspective. Um, and as you said, you know what chunk is free. Um, in fact, if it's free even, I don't know what to do. So I kind of feel lazy. <laughs> so I'm not really sure what to do uh, with myself. And I'm kind of kicking myself then if I, if I spend watching telly or um, it's just, and, and then at same time, there are evens you just have to, because if you don't recharge the batteries, you, you, you'll have no chance. But mm-hmm. yeah, like, look, I was probably going back to when you talk, as I said, this isn't just about schoolwork. Uh, this is about college work. This is about you know your your work and life, whatever it is. 
it was a touchy relationship as well, you know, and it was the same thing, you know, evenings off, I used to try to spend them with my girlfriend, obviously now my wife for many years, you know, and actually moving in together was the best thing we ever did because that suddenly freed up a lot of time and to be able to, to go do a lot of other things, whether it's together or go off and, you know, like kind of maybe sometimes get away from the game completely or if it needed to get an extra kind of recovery session in or shoot mm-hmm. session in or whatever. So, um, yeah, spending those times, but without getting again too philosophical, I remember, um, before, <laughs> this is a weird one, we're going to time to hear, but well, before I got married, uh, our local parish priest, um, it, when you get married in the Catholic Church, there's five questions that they ask you and they go through. Um, some, people, some priests go in and just tick the box, five questions, you know, they're fine, you know, they'll be, you know, you'll bring them up in the Catholic faith, you'll bring up any kids in the Catholic faith and all this. And, but there was one point I remember he, he spoke, and obviously this is a man that has never married, uh, obviously, and, you know, he, some people kind of, on the outside, you might judge a book if you, if you knew this parish priest. He, he, he's a great guy, but he doesn't go around with the with the collar and you know with the, yeah, the yeah. collar and the black shirt, and he just wears normal clothes. And you call him by first name, you'll call him father. But he's really, really passionate, yeah, and really strong faith. And I remember him saying to me, "You know, you'll you'll, you'll have kids, and you'll have kids because you love each other. Don't forget about each other." You know, don't ever forget about each other and find time for each other. And I remember mm. it, was, it was a brilliant point. And, and again, it's, it, it talks about that time management is probably what I'm trying to come back to here is, you know, that they, that it's so important to not forget about the people that really matter to you most in life. Because we're talking about game of hurling here. We're talking about a hobby. And mm. yes, it's the most, as Jurgen Klopp is the most important of non-important things in our lives. And we put our life and soul into it. But at the end of the day, if if things go to shit, if someone gets sick or an accident happens or anything else, it's about family and it's about those relationships with those people that are close to you. And, and I remember hearing Jackie Terry saying something else as well. The brother Damien taught him, God rest him. Mm. Brilliant thing. You know, we play a bad match and we're in bad form. And who do we take it out on? The people closest to us. You know, people closest. And if someone down the street said, oh, hard luck there, do you go, oh yeah, thanks very much, and you'd, you'd placate them, and you'd be lovely and, and nice to them, and the person at home, then you'd be comfy with, you know, so it's it's mad, it's that relation, and I know I keep coming back to this, I'm telling a few different stories in the book, can't stress that enough, it's, 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 it's that relationship with those people at home, whether it's the positive side of it, or those negatives that you need to eradicate. Mm, it's, it's so funny, because Jackie, told us that story uh, a couple of months back with, with, with the underdogs and he, he spoke about it and he said it, you know, he'd come home and he'd be like a dog and it was only as he started to get older and it, like from, and this is what I'm trying to say, there was never any issue with Jackie's game, there was never any issue with Jackie's physical stuff, what he ate or anything like that. So, you know, as we've been chatting, obviously your school teacher clearly tell that, um, have you ever thought about going down the route of coaching or management in Harlem? Ah, uh, yeah, look, definitely. And I'd be lying if if I said otherwise, because look, I've been heavily involved with coaching for the last number of years. Um, so obviously you're coaching in schools and big business now, especially where I am at the moment in our latest secondary school in Templemore, Harty, full swing there up to last week. You know, um, big big business Harty training. You know, like that's the next level to to count under nineteen. Really, like it, it that's actually what the competition is now um 
So, yeah, trained at a very high level there. Uh, you know, as I said, involved in schools, hurling for the last 16 years. And when you start out, when I started out, one of the schools I was in, you know, I took the team on my own. There wasn't two teachers at the time taking the team. And you you collect jerseys, run the line, uh, try and be the physio at the same time, make switches, try and keep 20 young lads um, on straight and narrow behind you with about 15 of them not caring less because they know their heart and soul they're not coming on. <laughs> you know, you do all those things, make plenty of mistakes on the line, not making the right switches. And I've done hundreds of matches from that perspective. Mm. You know, um, I've been involved coaching at my own club level at all levels of underage. Right up from, you know, it was back then only 12, 14, 16, minor, uh, under 20. Um, and a couple of years ago, I suppose, when uh, Offaly sacked Kevin Martin, um, Jack and Kelly went in as interim manager and he was also our club manager when we won the county final in 2018 and Jack asked me to go in and do a bit of coaching for the, for the month that we were in there. So, you know, I, I coached off the seniors that, that year for the month. And that was a great eye-opener. Um, uh, that was brilliant. Um, you know, and then I suppose over the last two years, I've been involved in club teams. So mm. uh, last year, um, we won the county intermediate final with Laura. Um, Ken Hogan was the manager. Um, they were after being relegated the year previous. So it's obviously really important that they, they got straight back up and um you know we, we did that thankfully and the year previous I also won the intermediate championship to Prairie with my time <laughs> with another great uh, progressive uh, manager in Leave England who was uh, managing his own Ross Gray uh, last year mm-hmm. um getting them to the Munster final there. Great guy. Um so yeah I had two great years there going in and, and coaching um and I suppose dipping my head my hand into the the senior game and Look, I've had loads of opportunities over the last number of years um, to go coaching. Loads of teams have been on to me. Um, uh, and unfortunately, uh, I'm very grateful for anyone that's asked me, and I don't ever turn a team down lightly. Um, but unfortunately, from, from their perspective, um, I'm just, I just I don't have the time to give it a full commitment yet, uh, yeah. as in to go as a full-time manager with a, with a club team. Um, you know, I suppose for the last two years, as I said, the managers have been great. They understand that I was still hurling. I didn't have to be there every night, maybe unless, you know, last year when Kulari was knocked out. Mm. Um, you know, up to then. So, you know, you, you'd be there once a week. Sometimes if if the, if the it fell right, you might be there twice a week. Um, and, you know, that was that was great. And I really, yeah. really enjoyed it. And I love, I've heard some managers or coaches say that they hate the pressure of a team that, you know, are expected to win. I love that pressure. I That's why I went in there. The, you know that's why I went to those teams. I knew they were under pressure and they had to win those championships, and I love that. And I love working with that type of mindset and mentality. And I suppose that's where I come from in Coolary. It's it's exactly down my street. We we don't win the county final. Uh, you know, it's a disaster of a year. Yeah, it's as simple as that. So even though we've only won it five times in the group, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. That's that's what we. That's what we, you know, aspire hold to. yourself to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we aspire to, and and that's the mentality I'm used to, and that's what I want to go into in a club setup, uh, without being uh, disrespectful to anyone. I, I suppose I I give back and have given back a lot to the game in terms of, you know, coaching at underage in our club, coaching um, with school teams where we never have a chance of winning, you know, mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're coaching to improve those players and try and instill them in them a love of hurling and pass on any bit of knowledge that you have. But again, you know, 
your realistic chance of winning anything are, are quite slim. Um, yeah. So if I'm going to be involved in a club team, um, you know, I want them to be in the mix. Not to be like that, you know, they're going to be searching. You know, it's your job to try and get the best out of them and, and help those players get that mentality into them and allow them to be the hurlers that can be not con- um, constrain them with, with with game plans and puck out strategies to the nth degree. You know what I mean? You know, our tactics an important aspect of the game. Yes, certainly. But players trying to be the best they can be and dying with their with with their boots on and just emptying the tank every time they go out. That's that that's that's what the game's about for me. Um would and, you, I, and I love that aspect of it. Would you so like on that a hundred percent degree, um I, I was even guilty of it doing it last year with a team I was involved in, but at the moment, right, you have your Mikey Beavens, you have your Paul Canurks, these guys are revolutionising the game in terms of tactics and how it's being played and looked at. Then you also, the likes of, say, Liam Cattle, because he's part of one of them teams. Um, you know, you have uh, Limerick manager John... Um, John Kiley. John Kiley. So, like, there's obviously a partnership in it. You know, Davies have to come into Waterford, massive hype about that. Peter Queeley's gone in with him. Um, Owen Kelly from Tip, of course. Jeez, how could you forget him? But like, what I'm trying to say is, there is a place for the tactics and you know all these different things. What would you see yourself as? Because I think I know already from talking to you. But like, it has to, no like there has to be for me a manager has to be someone who manages and manages people who can give a person a talk at a certain time, bring them up when you know when a lad needs it. Like you said, again, one thing I was really happy with what you said, there should be no pressure on a player going out in the field. There should be, like, when if I'm a manager, if I put pressure on a player, I've done something wrong because they need to go out to express themselves, be able to do everything to trust in everything that's done over the year to go out and just pray, play with a, a freedom and that allows them to be creative and try things. Um, and I think from talking to you already, you sound as if you would be a manager, not a coach. I think so. Yeah. Look, obviously, I'm coaching now, and that's that's the way I am. And yeah, I think so. Look, look, I, I like the element of coaching. I like thinking about the game a lot. Um, but it will, I I will try to break it down into its most simplest parts. At the end of the day, there's 15 battles, like 14 battles, I suppose. And the more battles you win. The more chance you have to win the game, um, and and don't ever ever forget that uh, that will never go the game. And yes, there's many moving parts, and and it's a collective. But like, it's so so important to front up, like in many different aspects. Obviously, there's the there's the physical aspect of fronting up. Uh, there's the mental aspect of fronting up, of, of trying to win these games as well. That would have been the challenge for Laura last year. The, the, the hurlers, certainly. Were they used to winning? Were they used to winning the tail end of the championships? Whether it was a great below them or not, no, they weren't. Mm. And if they weren't ready mentally to front up to that and, and physically ready for the for the, the tough environment that they were going to face, um, they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have won that championship and they wouldn't have been able to throw off the shackles when it was needed. And that's so important. And as you said, it's 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 yeah, I, I love that working with players where you're trying to get the best out of them. You're you you start to get that collective buy-in. You try to feed off that energy 
I, I like, and and that group energy when you can get it right. And I've obviously experienced it as a player, and I've ex- lucky enough to experience it as a coach or a manager, whether it's with the schools as well. It's it's magic. You can't I can't tell you how we get it, but sometimes <laughs> it just happens so organically, and it's just unbelievable. And that energy can bring you places and can allow players to do things even they wouldn't have ever dreamed of. A lot of time you can't even think what you're going to do. It just happens so organically and it's that group collective comes together and but it can never be done without hard work. You can't cut corners, you know, uh, you have to put the hard yards and you have to trust each other because you know that you've all done it on the field and it's it's super. And look, I suppose the, the famous one is a couple of years ago when the quarters were in and John, and Paul Connor took out the whiteboard <laughs> and you know went about moving in and, and John Kiley F the Mulvins and get rid of that whiteboard, you know, brought it back to past ta- brass tacks, you know, mm. front up plays. And that's what Limerick did, and that's what Limerick do so well. And people get so caught up in Limerick's game plan. And if you actually break down the game, it's so simple. You know, it's so simple. A lot of their stuff is just it's just it's beautiful to watch because it's so simple and they're so physical. That's the element. They've taken Gil Kenny's template of 10, 15 years ago, and they've just obviously added that element of of clever hurling on top of it and playing a good 70-30 ball inside whenever whenever they get the opportunity and they, they hold on to it otherwise they get the runners and all those buzzwords and all that sort of stuff but don't forget they win most battles on the field as well physically it's just it's 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 a joy to watch and yeah to answer your question would I rather be a manager or coach certainly probably in the long run but especially as a top one up here I'd like to be that manager that guy that's driving standards that's that's Allowing those players to be the best they can be, like there's magic in that. And I like I feel right uh, from watching your career, and then obviously with Cool Derry in recent years as well, you've achieved a hell of a lot in the game. Uh, you said famously in an article uh, a couple of years ago that if you based it on medals and awards, you wouldn't look at a career in that sense. And I obviously personally from being from Waterford, I hate it as well because people talk about John Milan, Ken McGrath, Tony Brown, Brickwell, Joan Kelly, all these amazing players. They never won in All-Ireland. That does not make him any less of a hurler or any less of a success or a failure because again, it's a team sport. It's not an individual. So if, if a group doesn't win in All-Ireland, doesn't mean a collective as an individual is not as good as someone who has won in All-Ireland because there's been plenty of fellas that have won All-Irelands that weren't as good as lads that haven't, like, you know, call a spade a spade. But for me, I would say, you know, personally, you probably ticked a lot of boxes in your own career. You realised, you know, you weren't going to go after loads of All-Irelands and Leinster medals, but awfully, it's just the period of where you were playing. As a manager, would the dream be to go inter-county-wise? Would there be aspirations? Have you thought about that? Would you like to, obviously, you know, the big the big elephant in the room, would you like to manage awfully at some stage? I would, yeah, I would. Again, I won't hide away from that. Um, but when the time is right, you know, there's times, uh, you know, of course, you're going, oh God, I'd love to be involved now, and, and you know, I see potential in that group there right now, and of course, and you know, I'd I'd love to be there and allow them to be the best they could be and inspire them to to improve even more than they can realize they can improve right now. Um, you know, uh, I'm very realistic of where Offaly are right now, but. I, I think it could be better. Um, well, certainly. Um, and yeah, I'd love to be the, at the guy at the helm of that. But at the same time, if I ever do that job, I want to make sure that I'm I'm the best I can be at it as well. Mm. You know, um, 
I see a lot of guys getting involved very quickly in, in management at the county level at the moment. Uh, you see it in soccer, sure, you know, and as well. And the next major career is over before you know it. Yeah. You know, because maybe a job or two goes bad. And it's not like you can't hide behind that all your career, but at the same time, Colin O'Rourke when he gets the job now, you know, look at, you know, Kevin McStay and he getting the, the job now. You know, John Kiley wasn't 35 when he got the job for, for Limerick either. Lee Cattle had to go elsewhere as well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, like, it's 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 important that if you do get the opportunity, obviously, that you're, you've, you've built that skill set and that experience. Um, and as well as I can only relate to whether that's a, I know we're talking about hurling, but if you're talking about a manager and worker for me, a deputy principal or principal, that you have to have the experience on the ground and know every aspect of it and how all the moving parts go. So that's why I'm enjoying my role as a coach at the moment to understand that side of it and look at that side of it and see the importance of it. Um, so that, yeah, probably in a long-term view that you be able to manage and, and know um, all the moving parts, I suppose, really. Because I've yeah. been the player, being the coach at that stage, um, being a PE teacher, I have a strong interest in in um, obviously the strength and condition side of things, um, I am into the, the mental side of things as well. So you know, I'm I'm open to all these sort of things. You know that kind of. A, but I probably I I like this and um, I like a lot of things. I also think that I I I see the right value in them. You know, as I say, stats shouldn't dictate everything. Tactics shouldn't dictate everything. Heart and determination will only get you so far as well. You know, it's marrying all these type of things that's mm. that's, that's so important. Um, you know, so yeah, it's it's um, I suppose let's see what happens in the future. I suppose it's it's so like it's an interesting point because what you've just said there at the end of that about you know, it's not always about tactics, it's not always about drills that you've done and stuff like that. You know, sometimes, right, I can count on Tommy, Tommy's going to give me everything today. The lads might not want him to play, but I'm going to put Tommy in, I know he's going to give me everything. and Obviously, club boys, it's very parochial because, you know, people will go, Asher, he played well last year. He done this. And we seem to write off in the GA culture, you know, inter-county with social media and all this. Fella has one, two bad games or they're in the headlines for a wrong reason. And all of a sudden, ah, they're not the player they were. They're not good enough anymore. We're so quick to praise people and then we're so quick to take them back down. Do you think that's something that like obviously it's in other sports but you mentioned earlier a comment someone said about you know you weren't as good as your father like that's a horrendous comment I know Mara Shanahan personally uh, done an interview with him last year absolutely lovely chap he had something said to him in a club match you'd be arrested for you know and this was by another mm. GEA player in a game and I, I think these this is what we need to look at in terms of treating people with respect and looking after people's mental health. And as you said earlier on, at the end of the day, it's just the game. But do you think there's an issue there with not sledging, but I suppose it is sledging in a sense? Yeah, I definitely. I'll talk about sledging in a second, but I suppose that that building up a player is so important. And, you know, if you see that value in a player and if he's giving you something back and you know it's there, and you've seen that spark to reignite that within a player. Now, that's easier, obviously, done in a club scene um, or sometimes in a school setting where you might have more time and play practice matches and you can play league games where the spotlight is done. It's much harder, obviously, in the county scene mm. um, to try and allow that player that opportunity. And 
obviously at the end of the day they have to do it when they're out on the field. Um, but yeah, you don't ever underestimate that role. Look, I think everyone has an important part to play in that, whether it's the senior players in the team, whether it's the management, you know, that they they know it. You know what I mean? And 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 the know player maybe is going through a tough time, but sometimes that little word um at the right time can really help you. And I'll give you a, a simple example. I remember we on our run to the All Ireland actually, I would have to get in, a couple of years running I was after hurting my ankle really bad. And that summer I hurt it really, really bad again. Um I was out for six or eight weeks. I kept trying to go back and play him too soon. I was out for ages. So came back anyway and played the county quarterfinal, scored a couple of points quiet. Semi final got a point. Missed a really easy chance near the end of the game. I was like head in the hands. Again, we're talking about what we were talking about earlier. We have to win the county final and I'm disappointed, you know. Because um, I knew my performance weren't now one. Went to the county final. Uh, play, I played well, but I didn't score in the county final and we won. And it didn't bother me. But then you read the paper and it's like, Brian Carroll wasn't great at the weekend. And you're like, I actually was good. But <laughs> yeah. now that it's kind of playing in your head, it's like, well, I didn't score. Yeah, shit, I didn't score. You know what I mean? Mm. Then we went and, and I'm you know, starting to eat away at me and the biter jeering me then. Uh, we're having a few pints and it's great crack and they're dead right to jeer me because I didn't score in the county final. But they don't actually realise probably the knock-on effect of having on me deep down. And I'm not trying to play this all oh, poor me. This was the truth. And I'm very small, minuscule. I was eating away at me that God, I didn't score. And we go on and we played Ballyboard and then in the Leinster semi-final and Mark and Shane Durkin who had loads of battles down through years and I come in at half time after missing a simple chance just for half time and I come in and my head is down a little bit and I thought Ken Hogan was over at the time I thought Ken was going to eat me at half time and next minute Ken just said something like he was like who's going to help Brian he did, he did a great way of saying that uh, yeah. but he's heard me saying that they, they know exactly what I'm saying it's like Brian goes to the ball there's two three guys on him every time who's going to go and help him dig him out do you know what I mean they're watching him help him out I remember just looking around going am um, I after hearing that right like, you know that kind of way and I was <laughs> yeah, like yeah. what he was doing is he realised that my head was down so instead of eating me he was building me back up in his own way to say I see what you're going through mm. I see that you've been closely marked but stay going basically you know what yeah. I mean he was enabling you're doing, you're you actually, to yeah exactly you're doing a lot more even though you're not scoring you, you're setting up other people or you're creating space for the people so keep doing what you're doing stay drawing that attention to you and that was like oh my god you know and like so those war, those simple things that sometimes people don't realise the power that it has. Um, you know, so it's important to go back to your sledging because I know that was another point that I do want to talk about. It's one thing I just absolutely detest in the game. It's something I, I have no respect for anyone mm. sledging. Um, none whatsoever. And and um hit me, burst me, pull a stroke, I don't give a damn as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um you know. There's tough hurling. We all know what tough hurling is. There's tough hurlers out there and they go out through you and there's lads that pull strokes. Some of them are cowardly. I, I've not, obviously, no one has any time for that either. Yeah. But generally, tough hurling, yeah, grand. You know, if lads get taken, they want to pull a bit of a stroke, grand. Obviously, as long as it's not too bad. But you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, it's tough. tough hurling is part of the game. I don't know. It's something within me. I just cannot, cannot stand sledging. Um, I've no time for whatsoever. And people will say there's a whole mental aspect, and I know um, it's quite big in football. It, it's not, it's not as big in hurling, but it, it does creep in from time to time. But I just honestly, I've no respect for someone. Yeah, I've honestly, I straight away, I just, I write them off as a person. 
Yeah. They're not a man to me, as far as I'm concerned. I've no time for them. I I I won't not that I'd um you know I won't ever accost them or anything like that, but I yeah. just I just write them off. I just go, no, I don't I think- rate them. If someone said to me, Oh yeah, and I've heard players say I'm a dickhead on the field, but you know what I mean? I'm not like that. I'm like, no, if you're a dickhead on the field like that, you're a dickhead off it as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Let's call the spade a spade here. I think I think you know like it's really important it is a tough sport so is Gaelic football you know most sports are and I think what epitomizes that is David Clifford in the junior all of football final when he gave the interview after and the commentator said like a lot of red cards physical game and David just turned around and said you think I'm going to hold a grudge against any lads we just played against yeah. it's a sport it's yeah. a contact sport and you know like yeah. we we would have it locally my club is, you know, Ballygunner in the road and Ballygunner passage, it's always pops up in Waterford when both of them are playing each other and stuff like that. But as I always said it, like, I'd have no issue talking to any of them, them lads off a field that I played against for years. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's what it's supposed to be about. You know, there's tough hurling if a fella pulls a stroke or, you know, like that, he goes through you. Well, that's what it's about. It's about getting the better of your man going for a ball. And, and you know, that's, for me... That's the one thing I always loved about hurling. Like now that I'm getting a bit older and I'm starting to do this work is when I meet someone and they go, geez, do you remember we played this match? I hit you, you hit me. And you're there going, yeah, Jesus, that was some match. How are you? How's things? Yeah. But sure, that's what we do in the field. When we're at our best in Quinary, that's how we hurl. Mm. Tough as nails. Hard hurling. Jesus Christ. I've seen lads box up there. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's great. Like, but you just get on with it. You know, they're very rare, very rare as grudges held. Um, you know, they're not really kind of, it's not really, you're not really seen as part of the grud, part of the group then if you're holding that grudge anyway. Like, it's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, mm. shouldn't cross the line as far as I'm concerned when it comes to things like that. Um, and, and it's the same against teams that we would have had brilliant rivalry with Burr over the years, that great Burr team, and tough games. Sometimes it did go fisty cuffs. There was never with the great Burr players. There was never any shit. Right? Never mm. transpired into into the pub or down the street or anything like that. We met each other. We great drinks with each other, and we'd, as you said, we'd tell great stories. There's some great friends from in there as well. And would I like to beat them every time? I go, of course I would. Every yeah. time, <laughs> you know. It's like I, I was talking. I was you, talking. You know, of course I kill was... for it. You know, as the old bright quote says, I wouldn't die for it. I kill for it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like that's that. That's the way it is. Like and. But as I said, there's just something about that mountain or that sledge that for me is just. I think no it's no. A, I think it's a cheap option. I'd probably get well. loads of it now if I stay hurling. But ah no 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 like look look personally, I I was involved in a game uh, a couple of weeks back. I wasn't playing. Like I said, the brothers intercounty referee. I won't say what a game it was, but I was doing umpire and uh, there was a team winning. It was coming towards the end, and it was it was a big game. Like it, it was interprovincial game, and uh, it was coming towards the end, and the keeper. Uh, went to go get a ball and a player from the opposition team made a reference about his weight and I said to the keeper because I'd always especially now this was an adult game but I'd always talk to younger players I love doing that umpire after a game if keepers had a bad game or if, if something's happened or they made a good save like you said you say to him you made some save there today you played well and but I remember saying to the keeper I was like Jesus I'm delighted you didn't react and he turned around and he said to me why would I sure I didn't do that to him we were winning and he takes a cheap dig at me about my weight. He said, why would I bother? Yeah. Yeah. And it can be hard. Yeah, Look, it can be hard, you know, especially when the stuff being shouted. And actually, I found it, I probably find it harder when I'm playing to not react. 
Whereas I've, I've seen now uh, running the line on, on with management teams, there's been a couple of teams I've seen now try to get involved in verbals, and I'm actually so much better at, at blocking it out um, on the line. It's amazing. Uh, maybe again, it's just getting older. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, bothered. Maybe maybe my adrenaline's up more when I'm hurling as well, and I'm stuck in the middle of it. And you know, you're probably in that fight or flight mode anyway. And, and by God, I'm in the fight mode. So uh, maybe maybe that's I, I react a little bit easier when I'm on the field. Um, yeah. But yeah, off the field, yeah, it's gas. I, I, I actually nearly laugh at people that are trying to get you <laughs> caught up in the verbal side of things. Like you know, it's 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 hilarious. Like best thing on, I can do with them is, is like what the goalie does is just ignore them because I always say it regardless of what happens. It can't be an argument. An argument can only happen when two people are involved. You know? Exactly, but as I always say, you know, like my my uncles would have one of my uncles would have played for Waterford. Very tough. Same most of my uncles playing sport. Very tough, but they would always say to me. Oh, you know, if you get an opportunity, if hit a fella as hard as you can, you know, if he's saying something about you, hit him back yeah. and all this. And I always, my attitude has always been, I'll just point to the scoreboard or I'll get the next ball and put it over. And that's where it hurts most, you know, like a bruise or a broken bone will mend. But like you said, I can even reference games from 10 years ago and I go, Jesus, that one still hurts. So, you know, for any young person listening, I would always say, like you said, don't get involved get the next score or do as best as you can in terms of performance. And at the end of the day, that'll overweigh everything that, that has happened. Um, I want to ask you a question. Toughest opponent, because you just you just referenced it there a second ago uh, about Brian Cody saying, would he die for it? No, he'd kill for it. I imagine your toughest opponent you've ever faced is from Kilkenny in an inter-county game. Yeah. I, look, JJ is the best defender I've ever marked. Mm. Luckily enough, I didn't have to mark him every day. Because Kenny always obviously they hurt their positions. Are one or two All Irelands where they realised they were under pressure against Tipperary, but generally, you know, they marked their positions. And I, I didn't, as I said, I didn't always get judged. Thankfully, he's the best defender I've ever come across in the air, on the ground, reading of the game, tough as nails, hitch of the the slap that you needed just before you even thought about going for the ball, and a great guy off the field as well. You know, he had it everywhere, like most of the Kenny guys without without getting too casual, but like most of the county hurlers, to be honest. Um, brilliant. But I'd be lying if I said, I swear to God, same in club, same in county. If you're not on your game, and if you're not at the top of your game in terms of confidence and, you know, physical shape, then you'll have one long hour, whether it's club or county, mm. or 17 minutes, whatever it is, and you won't last it if you, like, I've had, you know, really, really tough battles against Leash, against Westmead, against Dublin, against Cork, Limerick, Waterford, you know, and sometimes they're known guys, sometimes they're not known guys. For me, um, again, I want to be careful in case I do end up hurting again. I hated <laughs> marking a guy that was probably, you know, I hate left-handers for starters. They're brilliant in the air. I can play I can play a right-handed hurler. Really hard to mark a left-handed hurler in the air. Um and also then probably was guy that was I knew that was probably quicker than me, way quicker than me. Mm. Like they they were the hardest, or or probably the worst, the one that had no interest in the ball at all. I want the guy to try and hurl me, and lovely play a game of hurling against me. Go play chess, you know what I mean? Like yeah, lovely, because yeah. I'll back myself all day long in that situation. And mm. if they go after the ball, I'll be gone the other side of the field, and then they'll be looking around. But if I have that guy that follows me to the end of the earth, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah, that's, that's you know that that can be the guy that's hard to to shake off. Um, yeah, and and 
some some county players will do that, some club players will do that to the to the nth degree as I described earlier as well. And that'll be a long 70 minutes or 60 minutes, and it's so frustrating. <laughs> um, you know, and you see Tony Kelly struggling with that. We've seen ever I'm not trying to say him that level, but you know my point. Yeah, we've yeah, seen, yeah. We've seen John Milan struggle with that. We've seen any good forward have struggled with that, unless you're David Clifford and you're six foot, whatever, and Joe Canning, and yeah, you're yeah. throwing them out of your way, you have to physically dominate them. Mm. Um, but even with Groot Hegarty, Fintan Burke was able to physically dom- not dominate them, but at least go on the power with Groot Hegarty. He got it very hard to show take it off, you know. So if if a guy has your attributes or has your measure, sometimes you just have your measure. Simple as that. Yeah, and I think, like you said earlier, it's a, it could be about your movement or bringing other players into it and stuff like that. Um, and it comes to your mentality in the day as well, sorry, James, because some days you, you can shake it off and you can keep going, you can keep going, and, you, and then other days, you know, you just, you're not you just, able to. You don't want to. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me, I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I think the biggest learning curve as you get older, you know, like talk about toughest opponents and mentally in tough times, Uh you know, I was on a very public thing last year and I struggled. Uh, we obviously played my own county and the team was named and we had a training session after. It was probably the worst training session I have ever done in my life. Um, purely because I did not want to try one bit. I was so angry. Um, I'd feel as if I'd wasted six months, you know, training all around the country and stuff like this. And I got, I mean, I was so angry, like three or four players came up to me and said, what's going on? Management pulled me aside and everything. And it wasn't good for the group. And it's only now, like it's only a couple of months later, but as soon as I kind of dropped that and took the pressure off myself, the next couple of training sessions we had, the few practice matches we had, I mean, we played the Irish Army, Paul, I was at Paul Murphy. Talk about getting hit and stuff, you know. Uh, yeah. R- Richie Reed was playing centre back, you know. Like these were they were unbelievable hurlers, and uh, it was it was a case of just kind of a fog lifting. But there is days, and I agree with you hundred percent. There's days where you just don't feel like it, and it's hard to shake that. Yeah, it is. It is, and oh, I've been that guy as well. Definitely, I I've been that guy. Hurling bad. Now, I'm lucky enough, I've only ever been dropped twice in my career with Offaly and Tullary. Um, twice, twice with Offaly ever. Um, once in the league game and once in the championship game. And But I know I handled those ones really well because I knew there was a bit more going on in the background. Um, and and, and I, I reacted really well to man. I was like, hey, you can try this bullshit, but I will show you. Because I will be the best player on the field the next day in training, and you will have no choice but to beat me, mm. you know. And actually, the championship match where I was dropped, I came on as a, a blood sub against Clare down at Ennis, and we hadn't scored for play in the first 15 minutes. I came on, I scored two points in the, in the 10 minutes I was on. <laughs> actually, and, and they ended up having to leave me on. But uh, but that's how to react. I know I didn't react well was uh, my last year in <laughs> Fitzgibbon, Hurling. Um, uh, I was <laughs> I was eight year, eight and a half years in college. No, I was always well bad first year <laughs> when I dropped out. I was progressive. I did my degree in P and maths teaching. I, I was out and taught for a year. Had a job for life in Burr if I wanted it. Um, but went back to college and did my PhD in maths education. And I said if I didn't go back then, I'd never go back. So I had this mm. kind of aspiration and and desire to go want to go back and study more and uh, learn more and. You know, try and get my PhD and I went back and did that. But in my eighth, eighth year playing for Skibble, 
Uh, and I started every game that's given up to then. I was, I loved hurling for you well. Absolutely adored it. Train twice a day, like could train with you well in the morning time, off you that night. Like January and February was a nightmare because you could train 30 times in the month easily. Mm. Easily now. Like, um, and I'm not that type of player. My recovery is not that good, as I probably talked about earlier. And even back then, I wasn't, even as a younger man. So it's, it, I'm not one of those guys that can bounce up and do all trainings. And I, I, I struggle aerobically. I'm very strong anaerobically, but I struggle struggle aerobically. And so it wasn't easy going. And I always gave it everything for you because I loved it. I love. I just it was something about her and for you that I, I just adored. And I remember then. It used to bother me when other intercounty players didn't bother their arse playing for you well because they've seen it as below them. Mm. And um, that last year then, um, I remember I was just finishing up my PhD and there was someone sick in Burr and I was I went in to cover them for a couple of days a week teaching. And I had to leave the half day teaching to go back down to UL. We were playing UCC in the first round in UL. And I rang the manager and said, hey, I can't be at the meeting course back then obviously most students you know you could, yeah. you could meet I'd say 11 o'clock match a half one whatever I said look I can't get to meet at 11 o'clock um, but I'll be there at you know half 12 or whatever you know well in time for the game yeah. no issue with that no problem see you then Brian and I, I land down next minute someone tells me hey you're not standing I'm like what the fuck and I was negative Joe that day like, yeah. I, I was like what do you mean and, but what pissed me off more than anything was the lack of communication from the manager. Why didn't he tell me on the phone? You mm. know, I, and I had it out with the master, and I was negative, and I was negative on the line. I was probably, I, I think, I went about walking away. Yeah, I did actually. I did. I ended up, it clashed with a next match, which was we were playing. Uh, I don't mean disrespect. We were playing Jordan Stone or something. They yeah. won by thirty points or something, and it clashed with another day to cover someone in school. And I was like, no, I can't. I, I can't miss school again. And, and that was my attitude. It was negative. You know what I mean? But I had it, had it out with the manager. And I was like, you know, I went through what I'm just saying. I'd given everything to you all for eight years. I'd been a starter every single day. I didn't see this coming. How could I see it coming? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and, you know, I've, I've given my life, my college life, my eight years, which, as you know, is <laughs> it's not allowed anymore. They probably changed the rule after me. Um, <laughs> six years, you can only heard if it's given. But um, I know there was a few after me that money messing. But, um, I, I didn't know how to handle it and you know we had it out and then they were like actually do you know what yeah we were wrong we should have told you we should have told you where to start and I was like yeah and I shouldn't react to where you are and it's like come on let's just clean slate let's go yeah and the rest is history we won if it's given thank god but we had some team holy god but yeah that's that's certainly one one time I, I reacted negatively and I, I know what you're saying and it's human nature and it, can you be that positive big guy all the time no no, it can't be. And, it's not healthy. No one can expect to be. I think. I no, it's not healthy. I, I think. I, I think it will come out in some shape or fashion in some in some case, and you don't want to build that up too much either. It can come out the wrong way. So, yeah, I'm just giving probably an example of where where I was that. Definitely, and a great learning experience, certainly from my perspective. I think as well that the key point to take away that from. From everything we've been speaking about, like, you know, uh, whether it's someone who wants to be a coach or a manager or just looking to, you know, make themselves a bit of a better version or when it comes to hurling is there will be negative times. Uh, you will react horrible. It's not a reflection of who you are. You know, it will come out. Um, But the main thing, and it's kind of the, the mantra through the whole uh, conversation we've had is 
it's how you respond it's how you react it's the next time you know you can apologize like it, it was very big of you to say you shouldn't have reacted that way i done the exact same i felt horrible a day or two later i i mean i mean i texted nearly every player on the squad i text all management I was like, Jesus Christ, even one of the lads, the captain of the team said, do you know what you could do? You could stand in the middle of it all leather slitters at you because you were being that much of a twat. And like I was, and yeah. I, I was mortified. And I remember going, we were training in Turles and, you know, Jamie Wall was over us. I didn't want to go up there. I like, I was so embarrassed. I did not want to go up there. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's very interesting because anyone listen to this and I always say this, I'm a nobody and I'm starting off. And that's the way I refer to myself. But like, ICU has been one of the top hurlers for your own county in the period where you played. Obviously, speaking to you now, I've listened to all your podcasts. You're very up uh, in the GA world in terms of, you know, topics, uh, style of play. You want to be a manager, you're a school teacher. As I was saying, you know, like, especially for younger people listening, it's so refreshing to hear the way you speak and how open you are in terms of players' uh, mental health and what we can do for players because. Anyone that knows me within Waterford or anyone I suppose has seen my ugly mug on TV last year knows I, I struggle big time. Um, You know, I've been suicidal. I suffer with depression. And the one thing that I always hated about Harlan, and it was only up to a couple of years ago when different managers, but you were just told to get on with things. You know, like that, you said, if you're having a bad game, me having a bad game was nothing to do with my Harlan ability. Me having a bad game was with me being depressed or wanting to kill myself or not wanting to get up in the morning or the relationships I had or, you know, issues with drugs and alcohol. And it, it's very refreshing. And I've referenced him before in an interview, uh, Paul Carley, he played with Wexford. He was a manager of my own club for a couple of years. And, you know, a lot of people said he wasn't a great manager in terms of the club didn't push on, say, senior-wise and stuff. But as a man, his attitude and how he spoke to the players about mental health, how he dealt with it. He helped me through a very personal and tough time, even though I wasn't playing. I never even played once under him in terms of senior. I was only playing junior. He was still ringing me. He was still texting me. You know, he didn't have to do it. And I think more people like yourself in the game is only going to make it better. And what a guy Paul obviously is to, to do things like that and, and and that's what probably we all aspire to. Like the, the hardest thing about probably managing and coaching and all that is is trying to affect everyone in your panel. It's so easy to concentrate on the maybe the first fifteen or even within the first fifteen, the core group. But to try and have time for everyone and try and improve everyone and trying to get everyone enjoying it. And that's really difficult. And have I failed at that in the past? Most definitely. Am I conscious of that? Again, most definitely, it's something that I'd like to improve and work on and try and have that um, kind of aspect of my rapport that you build with the players improved because it's it's so important. I was at a coaching course the other day and there was some great stuff added. And uh, if it's coaching, if it's teaching, if it's whatever, it's, sometimes it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And it's that relationship you build with the players or your students or whatever. Um, there's no silver bullet, as I always tell my players. You know, like there's no drill, there's no tactic, there's no nothing going to ever, ever solve everything. But it's that collection of trying to do the right thing over and over again. And there's, there's, there's a bit of karma in it, I suppose, as well. You know, and, you know, if you keep at it, um, it might work out the way it's fully wanted to say, but, mm. you know, generally you'll get good things out of the game. 
I have not achieved probably a tenth of what I wanted to achieve from my inter-county career. Um, but by God, am I grateful for the career I did have. You know, I 14, what's that wonderful years, but 14 great years. Um, I was very lucky. Uh, you, you mentioned all the scoring, all those appearances, all that. I'm so grateful for, you know, all, all the league games. I enjoyed them just as much as anything else. I enjoyed all the Walsh Cup games. Um, every single time, you know, you get to pull on an off jersey, but it's a throwaway comment, but it was true. It was an honour. Um, I was very lucky I got to play with Leinster. I got to go on three trips with Leinster. You know, I got to go to Rome in 2003, Boston 2005, Abu Dhabi in 2009. You know, um, played in Rome, played in Boston. And we're, again, there's actually another example, raging, I never got a run in Abu Dhabi. You know, <laughs> um, but, but brilliant trips, brilliant people. Um, you know, I was nominated for an All-Star twice, got to go to All-Star trips. You know, and at the same time, I was hurling for you know, 14 years. So many of my teammates didn't get to go and leave. You know, they went through worse times than me. So that's why I'm so grateful for what I was, what I, the experience I had personally, you know, and obviously the, the great Quinnery team I've hurled on for the last 20 years or 23 years at this stage, you know, and we were lucky enough to win five championships, you know, and win Leinster first time ever for the club, the experiences that we've had. And we've had lots of negative times, lots of times when we lost. But I'm so grateful for the great times. So they're the times you need to remember. We're, we're too busy, probably as a, as a human race, definitely as an Irish race, we concentrate on the negative aspects of so those defeats or those days that you hurled bad or that one thing that guy said to you we need to you know we need to change that dial um on that, that frequency and start remembering some of the good not get carried away with it but remember the good things the good the great things about it and that's what I try to do and that's why I know I left off the Ireland probably a year or two before I showed up because I was very conscious of the fact that I didn't want to be angry when it was even being dropped or um having a bad game and getting roasted or um, people giving out about you or whatever you know mm-hmm. I've seen it happen too many good players and I won't name them we all know them um, yeah. much better players than me and you could see the anger in their face you know and it wasn't them and it wasn't true affection you can't cope with being a sub anymore how can you cope with being a sub when you've been a, a shoe-in and all-stars and all your life and I didn't want to be that player I was very conscious of that and um, I'd be conscious of that as well in my own club career mm. because uh, um you don't want to fall out in love with the game because it's a great game but the word there probably is that it's only a game um, and you only get this clarity probably as you is when you get older so I'm, I'm very grateful as you probably probably understand I'm very grateful for whatever time I've left in the game whether that's mm. playing or whether that's coaching or or whatever um, you know and I'm, I'm probably I suppose yeah I've done a, a, a lot of a lot of thinking about that you know what I mean and a lot of thinking I suppose about the place that Hurland has in my life. Um, I, you've probably heard me reference that a few times throughout this podcast, you know, and I'm grateful for my life and I'm grateful for my family and, and all that, and my job and all those sort of things, which 10 years ago I wouldn't have had. You know, I wouldn't have had that. But probably that language wasn't out there anyway, but I definitely wouldn't have had that clarity even as a human myself. You know, I wouldn't have been able to, to, to have that clarity of thought. Um, and it's, it's if there's one thing anyone needs to go and probably look into it a little bit more is the, is the power of gratitude. Um, will it fix all ills? It won't. But by God, when it helps, you see things. The same things will happen to you, but you'll, you'll, you'll experience them in a different way. That's that's all I'll say. Have a look at it. Go and think about it. Have a read about it. Open up your mind to it. Um, as I said, it's not a cure-all. No, nothing is in life. And there will be bad days. Of course there will. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of good stuff in our lives too. 
There is, and, and you know, it's you know, it's very fitting to to come towards the end of the the show with that because uh, to reference Dan Carter again, since he's been fourteen years of age, he has a small little book, and it's called his gratitude book, and he writes three things in it. He's grateful for every day, and look, it sounds very cliche. I started it back in October. Uh, again, it hasn't solved all my problems. Um, but from a personal point of view, I stopped taking antidepressants before Christmas. I'm exercising more. And the days that were bad that I've read back on the good days and you look at it and you, you see a date and you go, right, last weekend was good. You read back over it and you say something so simple. I was grateful for someone stopping me and having a conversation. I was grateful for getting up and being able to walk, to be able to train, um, to be able to go to work, have a roof over your head. And it's such an easy thing that we could do. I'll give you a simple one for me, and I know it works for me. And I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and or I could wake up in great form, and next minute there's World War Three down in the kitchen with the with the kids, and you know you get cross, and uh, you know you're going out door in bad form. But if I hear a bird singing, I do my check, and I'm lucky. I live obviously in a rural area and mm-hmm. on a farm and stuff like that. If I hear the bird singing, I say, "Whoa, stop!" Listen to that. Appreciate it's it. So simple. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like. It, Things happen at the right time often, and, and excellent. They're level again, you know. Yeah. You know, it's, go again. I'm not going around with a big smile on my face all the time. Yeah, yeah, like no, that. no, I know what you're no, saying. Yeah. yeah, it's a grounding effect. It's like going around with a frown, giving out mm. that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cross right now. You know, hold on, <laughs> roll back in there, Brian. You know, to, to quote quote a, fr- a friend of mine that 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 I've I've learned so much of in the last couple of years, Dermot Whelan. That's mindfulness. In a sense, yeah. because it's yeah. it's yeah, it's just a factor, or it's a it's an inkling or a key. It's something that brings you back to that grounded level, and it's so easy. Again, you referenced technology earlier. Everyone walks down nowadays, face down, looking at yeah. phones. I, I, know the picture. Looks yeah, I know, I, I know, yeah, and I I didn't purposely seek that out as a as a coping mechanism or anything. Not you know, again, all these busters that just organically happened, and I don't know why it happened or anything like that. Um, and, and it doesn't work every day. No, it doesn't. But there are days it will catch me. And it, it, it's a great little thing. I think it's about being open and, and trying things, like you just said. Yeah. Like, obviously, there's days where some certain things won't work. There's days where you just wake up, like you said, child has woke you up loads of times at night. You're going to be in bad form. You can't do anything about that. Yeah. But it's having the openness to say, hold up a second, right? This isn't working today. There's no point going to the gym and flogging the body. Let's take a bit of time self and missus go for a nice meal or let's watch a movie together or you know it doesn't even have to be an activity just spend some time or like i'm very fortunate family our sister literally lives there brothers up the road mothers up the road played a soccer match last sunday and my first one in four years i could barely walk after right played the full 90 minutes and then my mother texts me all Ireland club finals on are you coming up and we're playing rings and I go in and they're playing rings on the back of the bathroom door, throwing the rings. And the two hours, that night when I came home and wrote down in the gratitude book, I just didn't write anything else. I covered the whole page in just family. One word. Yeah. And it like the brother, brother, he's absorbed in GA. The two of us were sitting there watching it. My mother was calling us out at halftime to play rings. It didn't cost one thing. I could have easily, now I was tired, I was extremely tired. I could have easily just came home after the soccer match and said, I'm not seeing anybody today. I'm not doing it. But I was like, they're my family. I have to put time in it. 
Uh, but what, what I got out of it for going up there, I, like, even now I have a big, massive smile on my face. It was just yeah. two hours of pure gold. And again, it comes to no one went to say yes. No one went to say no, being open to try things. Like, I, I was a very negative person. And my family will tell you, I'd flip in an instant. I'd be like a case of if I didn't get what I had to do, no one can talk to me. If I didn't get to do what I wanted to do in terms of my day, and that's why I get up at five in the morning, I front load the day. I literally, my first couple of two hours, they're my time. They're nobody else's time. Then I go to work. Then I have the evenings for whatever. But to go back to the point you're saying is, it was one of the simplest things I ever done. I went two minutes up the road and I got so much out of it with being with the family in terms of gratitude. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's, it, 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 it's, it, and it's, it's just to take stock of that, I suppose. That's all you're probably saying there. Um, it, it's really important. And yeah, we, as you said, we have good days, we have bad days. And I've seen that probably in teaching. I look back in years ago, I was probably, you know, I need to give out a little bit more when I was teaching. That was my style. Um, more conscious of trying to make sure my classroom management was more on point. Of you know, and everyone was paying attention and and that. And but now I see that I definitely lacked up a lot on that. And you know, a lot of the guys and girls I'm trying to teach, it's about building that rapport them and you know trying to shape them as young young people and teach them. I I, I give them insights into my life to try and help them. To see that I'm normal and that they're going through the same stuff as all of us did before, and you know, point you know, not not point in the right direction, but you know, just maybe um, help them see the bigger picture at times. And you know, if I'm teaching um, ordinary level maths, you know, there's time for that. There's time for that. Like, there's 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 definitely time for that. Like, where you can help them see. Where they are in life and where they need, where they want to go, um, without having been a big formal kind of stuff, you know that mm. kind of way. And the shape, yeah. you shape them over the two years, um, because me teaching them complex numbers or, um, or calculus, they won't remember that. They won't remember that, and they don't remember it in, in a week's time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Next June in the Leavenworth, but they will definitely won't remember that in ten years. And it's, again, it's probably I'm conscious of, you know, some of the older stuff we've been taught down through the years. They won't remember what you taught them, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And yeah. you know, again, I, I'm I'm conscious of that, and we all think of teachers like that as well. Um, I don't. Um, I'm not just trying to be their friend or anything like that. Far from mm. it. But um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm I, I again I'm conscious of the fact I can't if I'm in bad mood I don't bring it into the classroom anymore like I would have when I was younger. I yeah. go in and I try and be the best I can for them in that moment. And and help them through their trials and tribulations of being in fifth or sixth year, whatever it is that's bothering them at the time. Yeah. And again, let them see the bigger picture of it all, or where they want to go, or what they want to do. It, so, yeah, it, show, it shows. I, I love that aspect of teaching. Mm, it re- it really shows, and like you were saying about, you're not just it's the same with management, right? When it comes to to Harlan, like I said, Paul didn't have to do that for me, but it's just it shows that you care. Like regardless, like you know, you might not go home with one of your players and sit down and say, right, tell me everything that's going on in your life. What's wrong? It, again, it could be just something, how you said it, how you made someone feel, not what you said. And it's so easy to be done. Um, look, we're coming to the end. I just want to take you back to Harlem for one brief second. Um, it was something you, you've done on your own podcast. And I, I've kind of flipped, I robbed it a little bit, flipped it a little bit. A five, your greatest five aside, if you had to pick, you're not allowed to choose yourself. 
not allowed to choose yourself. So you have a keeper, you have a keeper, two defenders, midfielder, and uh, we'll go. Actually, sorry, we we'll go six like yourself. So keeper, two defenders, midfielder, and two attackers. Uh, oh Jesus! I've never really. You see, you're killing me now because obviously, <laughs> uh, most people have asked me to do my own show, um, and I've never done it. So, um, does it have to be anyone I ever heard with through the years? Yeah, anyone that you've anyone you've ever heard with in terms of club, county, like you said, uh, Leinster yeah. Railway. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, in goal, it's a tough decision for me because it's either between my own club mate Stephen Corcoran, um, who'll kill me if I don't pick him, um, or Breeder Mullins, Brian Mullins, who's playing goal properly, for most famous to wear the tracksuit. Tracksuit pants. Top, yeah. yeah, top class people, very serious about his hurling. Um, top class. Um, obviously Stephen, brilliant ones at the club. Um, and you're absolutely killing me there now. <laughs> Well, think, think, of it, think of it this way you'll probably see Stephen <laughs> before you see Brian yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know just tonight I'm actually going to pick Stephen I'm going to pick uh, I'm going to pick Breeder Mullins just tonight now actually um, <laughs> uh, backline well one very simple and that's Brian Whelan he goes in there that's a set yeah. um, that's an absolute given um, another guy that Want to take liberty on because I marked him every day for six years in in Cairns and we tore lumps out of each other. We he's a terrific competitor as well. Making up to be an unbelievable hurler, he's one of the greatest of all time, and that's Tommy Walsh. Tommy Walsh. Um, yeah. um, I was thirteen and he was four all the way going along until he got six years and I was fourteen and he was three and we just killed each other and it was brilliant and um. You learn the hard way when you're around Tommy. <laughs> but, but we had great battles and I loved it. Um, so I'd have to pick Tommy. Um, midfielder. Um, midfielder, I'm going to pick... Ooh, I'm going to be careful. They'll be all burr lads. I was going to... Straight away, first person comes to mind anyway is Rory Hannafy. Mm-hmm. Rory's one of the most underrated and best runners I've ever played with. He played in... Um, Every line of the field bar goalie for Offaly. He's phenomenal. Wherever there was a problem, Rory was put. Strong, unbelievably strong in the air, fast, uh, brilliant reader of the game, just and a great guy. And another guy that's a high achiever, barrister. Um, you know, that guy has done it all as well. Just shows you can do both. So mm-hmm. important to understand that. Um when him and Brendan Murphy were midfield, they were probably the best midfield partners I've seen for Rockley. Another great guy, another guy that's a high achiever, doctor, um, local GP, brilliant guy as well. So between the two of them, though, I'd have to pick Rory to be fair. Yeah. Um, like special mention there to probably my own clubmate as well, Kevin Brady, brilliant guy down through the years. Again, playing half back line, playing midfield. He's even up in the forwards now. Um, we're Super, super guy. Um, take your life as quick as anything as well. We call him the science assassin. Um, <laughs> doesn't say much, but he take your life. Um, but great guy, so you have to give him a nod there as well. In the forward, um, well, there's one shoe in, and again, I'm going to use my my uh, Kieran's um thing. Uh, I'm gonna have uh, it's probably because I love Kieran so much, but I, I can't not put him in there. And you referenced him earlier, but I don't tell you, Tipperary. Um, what a guy! I, I had a great rapport with him. Uh, without getting carried away again, two of his main forwards in 
while up the road, we were, we were we became great friends and we worked off each other. It wasn't, you know what I mean? It's what pissed my probably good teams and, and, and great players. They want they want the best players around them, you know. And I love turning with them. Uh, and you see, I could throw in Shefton here too. You know, I hurled with him at Leinster, but I didn't hurl with him enough. So I won't, I won't throw him in the words. You know, I, I, I pinned the well there with Kelly a couple of times. You know, we lost a college of Ireland. We won a college of Ireland together. So um, that's why I put him in there. Um, And then the other forward, uh, it's a tough one now, being honest, because obviously, you know, you've referenced Shane Dooley, you've referenced Joe Bergen. Um, before, like, great forwards, roughly. You know, my own club, obviously, like Damon Murray was a, a brilliant forward as well. Um, top class, you know. Uh, you know, obviously all the forwards I played with in, in UL over the years as well. But uh, I suppose I'm gonna have to put a culinary man in there. And um, even though he probably might be seen as one of the best forwards. Because he was a back and a forward for us. I'm going to put him in there because he epitomized everything that was great about Rosie Culleri. And people are going to kill me for this one. But if you're going to war, you have to bring this man. Um, and he would play anywhere and do anything. And he great sayings. And that's Joe Brady. Um, and it's what I love about Hurler. He, he obviously was big. People seen his pace as a problem. People seen his weight as a problem. But that man had a reading of the game and a mental strength and obviously had the hands to back it up and a big game player and again was a great team player. Um so yeah, as I said, if I was going to war I'd bring that guy all day long. It's a, early six. It's it's a six that someone to break the ball. Someone to break the ball for Owen Kelly as well. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you what the Owen was definitely able to win his own ball over the years. Um yeah. Look, it's for me, Brian. It's it's just it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it really has. I I said it to my partner earlier. Uh, I said I'm nervous, and she said, "Why are you nervous?" I said, "Because last year I done it locally, and you know you're dealing with guests that you, you would see and you know in the GA world." And I suppose for me, I got a a very lucky glimpse into the the world that yourself lives in and other pundits and stuff last year. And to now get the opportunity to speak to yourself and our other guests during the season, it's just like, it's a dream come true for me. You know, it's kind of a pinch moment. And I really mean this and I'm not trying to big you up because you're on the podcast or I want people to, you know, think Brian Carroll is a great guy. But I must have Googled you 700 times during the week. I watched YouTube clips. I looked up articles. And all of it was just hurling, 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 hurling. And the whole thing about, for me, for this podcast, is to get the insight behind the hurler or the camogie player. And from what I've gained and learned, and I will listen back to this because there's great moments in it. For me, you're a remarkable individual. And as a school teacher, I would love to be in a student of yours. And this is from someone who never finishes leaving cert. <laughs> I would love to be in a student of yours because you just care you you will give time, you make a conscious effort uh, on how people are feeling, how you can make them feel with how you say it, what you do. And I mean, for anybody, you know, looking for an example in terms of management or any walk of life, you are, you're someone to be looked up to. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Again, 
very said at the start of the show, very grateful and, and delighted that you asked me on. Um, I think you're doing a great thing. So uh, keep it up. That's all I can say, Seamus. Well done. Thank you very much, Brian. Um, and of course, uh, you can catch all of this uh, exclusively on Spotify and we'll have all our links on our social media channels. Once again, thanks to Brian for joining us this week. Make sure to stay up to date with latest episodes on Spotify. For all media content, go to our Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at I Loves My Club By. Remember, hurling is our passion.